Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Awesome. Well, why don't we stand together as we pray? Amen. Well, Father, we thank you, Father, for this time together where we can study your word. God, we ask that you would speak to our lives, that you'd change our hearts, God. Make your word real to us today. And all God's people said, amen. So today we are talking about prayer again, but it's a good topic, but prayer and fasting. And so this is our next uh, part to the power of prayer. And uh, we've covered different, the different types of prayer over the series. We talked about the prayer of supplication, the prayer of intercession, the prayer of dedication. We've talked about the prayer of praise, prayer of agreement, the prayer of faith. And today we're talking about fasting prayer. So I mean, there's a lot of different types of prayer. Amen. And as we study, we can see that um, every prayer has its own laws, if you want to say that, and ways to accomplish those prayers. And today I want to talk about fasting. What is fasting? Well, simply put, it means you stop eating completely or almost completely for a certain stretch of time. A fast usually lasts from 12 to 24 hours or sometimes continue for days at a time. But fasting, for the most part, is, um, is really to stop eating, okay? And we're going to talk about fasting and why the Bible uh, highlights it as an important part of our armor, uh, one of the weapons of our warfare. So hunger is the strongest desire or the strongest urge that we can experience as humans. And when you choose to suppress natural hunger in order to pursue spiritual food, there's great strength. There's great strength in that. And so you're basically saying, you know, that that voice is, is, is so loud. If you can overcome the screaming of your stomach, right, eat, eat something, you're hungry, eat, 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 and you overcome that voice, you're more likely to overcome the voice of bitterness or anger or, you know, different temptations that come as thoughts, right? If you've been through the highway to wholeness, we get these thoughts that we get overwhelmed with. And we yield to those thoughts, which are temptations, and we give in to sin. So if you learn to suppress the strongest voice, which is your hunger, your appetite, then you're building your spirit, you're strengthening your spirit, okay? Uh, part of fasting is training the soul and body to submit to you, the spirit being that you are. Right? So you're training your mind, your emotion, and will. Say, I'm in charge, and we've made a decision we're not going to eat, or we're not going to eat certain foods for we're going to miss a meal or a few meals or whatever. And there's great strength in that. And it's discipline. How many know discipline is important? I saw a video, a, a dog trainer, maybe you guys have seen this before, and he has a couple big dogs, and he's going down the street, and uh, the dogs are not on leashes. And so, you know, uh, someone will walk by with their dog, and he'll just say, sit, and his dogs will sit. The other dogs will go by, and then he says, okay. The dogs get up, and they run ahead of him, and he can call them, and on an instant, they come in obedience to him. And so the beautiful thing is he says, my dogs have more freedom than any dogs because they're obedient. The other dogs go by on their leash because you need a leash to control the dog. And if, if we want to have, see, God can trust us to go places nowhere else can go. No one else can go. He'll allow you to go into situations most people can't go if you learn to be obedient to his voice. Amen? If you learn to overcome temptation, all right? If you're able to, you know, the second 
strongest voice that we deal with in the flesh is, for, for a lot of people, is sexual desire. And if you learn to overcome the voice of your stomach screaming, feed me, you're more likely to overcome sexual temptation because you've learned to discipline your body. Can I hear amen? Okay. And so fasting, okay. So number one, fasting is training your flesh in self-discipline. That's very important, self-discipline. I'm in charge. My body's going to listen. My soul's going to listen. And, and that's amazing. The second one is prioritizing spiritual hunger over natural hunger. And this is you make a choice um, that your spiritual life is more important even than your physical needs to eat, okay? And this is where I've missed it many times, where I've gone on to a fast and sometimes three, four, five days or whatever, and I'm busy and I'm working and I'm doing things and I forget to pray. And how many know when you do that, it's still beneficial, but it's a nutritional fast. It's not a spiritual fast. Because a spiritual fast means you're, you're fasting and praying. You're not just fasting, Okay? Um, so when this happens, it's, it's a nutritional fast, not a spiritual fast. And uh, spiritual fasts include abstinence from food or certain foods, and you focus on prayer time. So a good, a good practice is if you're fasting a meal, you, you, you go during that time that you would typically eat and you pray. You replace it with spiritual nourishment. Good habit, okay? And so we see in the scripture, we see that when they were fasting many times, they would try to pray three times a day. Even if it's only for five minutes, you're focused and you're praying, okay? Because the last thing we want is just to do a nutritional fast. I mean, there's some benefit to that. We want to do a spiritual fast. And the most important thing, I think, is that you have targeted prayer, targeted prayer. So before you go on the fast, you say, okay, this is what I'm believing for, and you write it down so that you can pray, and then you can see results. You say, why targeted prayer? Well, you know, it activates your faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So you need to know what is the target goal? What am I praying for? So you need to write it down. And so maybe you are making a serious decision. How many have ever had to make a serious decision? And it's like, I need an answer now. Well, that's a good time to fast. Okay. Maybe you're, you, you want more of God's presence in your life and you just, you just long for the you know, the days where you just sensed his presence. So well, you can pray, God, I'm praying that I'll have a, an encounter with you and I'll live in your presence. And you fast and pray for that, okay? Other times, you know, it might be, you know, you're praying for a healing or for a financial breakthrough or you're praying for the, uh, lost loved ones. Whatever it is, right, you, you have to understand that fast, fasting supercharges your prayer life. That's what it does. And, and it's so powerful. You know, my, my brother has a Tesla, and he plugs in his car at home, and it takes like 12 hours or something to fully charge a battery. And if he goes around, if he plugs in his car at different places, you know, it takes quite a while to charge the battery. But they have a thing called a supercharger. How many have heard of that? And you plug your car in, and in 20 minutes, you can get like 80% of a charge. And it's like, it's so fast. And, and, and that's what fasting is. When you're praying, it actually supercharges your prayer life. It brings results to your life. And so it's good that you, you have a strategy and you write down what you're praying for. And Acts chapter 13 says, Now in the church that was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manna, who had brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord... And fasted, say, and fasted. 
The Lord said, now separate to me Barnabas and Paul for the work which I have called them. And then having fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. Uh, God's voice becomes more clear, clearly heard through fasting. So God is always speaking to us, but when we fast, we're shutting down the voice of the flesh, we're rejecting the voice of the flesh, and God's voice becomes really clear. How many have experienced that? And sometimes it's not during the fast, because you're, you're, you're sometimes detoxing, and you, there's a lot of brain, brain cloud, fog going on, but after the fast, it's like, man, you can hear God's voice. It's such a powerful principle, all right? Uh, if you really need to hear God, see, the, these guys were like, we have to send Gentile, we have to send apostles to the Gentiles. We have to send people out to preach to the Gentiles. This, we need to make a decision quick. So they fasted and they prayed and the Lord said. And many times when we need to hear God's direction in our life, that's a good time to fast. Amen? So what does Jesus say about fasting? In Matthew chapter 6, verse 16 to 18. And when you fast, say, and when. It doesn't say if, right? It says when. So when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and disheveled, so people will admire them for their fasting. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get, right? So make sure your motives are good, okay? The motivation should never be to appear spiritual. The motivation should be, because you love the Lord. Now, verse 17, but when you fast, Jesus says, comb your hair, wash your face, and then no one will notice that you're fasting except your father who knows what you're doing in private, and your father who sees everything will reward you. And so the reward comes when the motivation is to please God, right? Now, so it's not wrong to tell people who need to know you're fasting, to tell them, okay? It's just you can't be telling them because you want to appear spiritual. Does that make sense? So if I'm visiting someone's house and I'm on a three-day fast or I'm fasting for a period of time, and I show up and you're like, hey, you want some you know, hot dogs? And I'm like, no, thank you. Would you like to try my homemade chili? Nope, nope. They're going to think, that guy's a snob. He doesn't like my food. What's wrong with this guy? But I, what I'll do is I'll tell you, if you invite me for dinner, I'll say, oh, just so you know, I'm on a fast right now, so don't prepare any food. I just want to hang out with you. Oh, great. But you see, the motive is different. I'm not trying to elevate myself. I'm just giving them information. So that's okay to do that, right? Fasting can be customized for your specific situation. Example, if you're a diabetic, okay, or you have health issues, you might need to customize and talk to your doctor, customize your fast by a limited, like a time limit, or by pleasurable foods, like I'm not going to eat certain foods that I really like, and that's a type of fast as well. But biblically, fasting only pertains to food and drink. I hear people all the time, well, I fast TV. Well, you can't fast TV. Well, I'm fasting Netflix or I'm fasting uh, secular radio or whatever. It's like, how do you fast? You know, you're abstaining from certain things. But, you know, there's a voice sometimes that says, you should watch a movie on Netflix or something. And I kind of want it, but it's not a strong it's not that urging voice of hunger. So you're not building yourself up through that. So fasting always pertains to food and drink, okay, not to other things. And there's four types of fasting. There's partial fasting, right, which is you're partially fasting certain foods. There's a juice fast, 
where you drink juices, there is a water fast, and then there's a complete fast. Now, the complete fast has no nutritional benefit to it, so only do it if the Lord leads you to. That's, there's no water, and usually that's two days into the third day, and then you need to drink some water. Not a lot of people do those. It's not healthy. I wouldn't advise it. But a water fast is actually good. A good place to start is with a Daniel fast, which is vegetables, fruits, nuts, and seeds. So a Daniel fast is basically like a vegan diet, in a sense. And, uh, uh, and that's a good place to start. Or you can start just fasting one meal, right? Or you can say, okay, you get up in the morning before the sun rises and you, you have a quick breakfast. Then you go, the sun rises, you go all day. And when the sun sets, then you have another meal, right? So you can do that as well. You can start wherever you're comfortable with, but it's a practice that brings much power to your life. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 to 14, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, because when they ate in Babylon these foods, it was dedicated to their God. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself now, God had brought Daniel into favor and the goodwill of the chief of the eunuchs. And after the end of 10 days, her features appeared better and fatter in flesh than all the young men who ate the portion of the king's delicacies. All right. Daniel 1, verse 19 to 21. Then the king interviewed them, and among them was none found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they served before the king in, in all manners of wisdom and understanding about which the king examined him, he found them ten times, say ten times, better than all the magicians and astrologers who were in all of his realm. And thus Daniel continued. And so there's a Daniel fast that they were doing. And you can do that for ten days. Or in another passage of scripture, later on Daniel does a 14-day or 21-day Daniel fast. We see that in Daniel 10, 1 to 3. But number one, you change your diet, you seek him three times a day, and you pursue excellence. And these are the things that they did during the Daniel fast. So water fasting for the first two days are horrible, awful experience, especially if you've never done it. Because the first couple days, I mean, you're screaming, you're hungry, right? And you're just really, and you got to press through and you pray. But usually you wake up on the third morning and your body has kicked into ketosis. So now your, your, your body starts to feed off the fat reserves in your body and the hunger, the hunger dissipates. So the day three, you're not even hungry. And in fact, your digestive system has completely shut down. So blood goes to other parts of your body and you're like, I can run a marathon. And you're like running around town. You have, ex you have all this energy and you can think really clear and it's like you're on top of the world. How many have ever experienced that? That's day number three. Now by day four or five, if you're going that long, you go into another hunger fit and your body begins to really detox. You get lots of zits and oil and smells and it's horrible. And that's day five or six. If you can get through day five or six, you get into day seven and eight. It's like, wow, you're on top of the world again. You go back into this ketosis state. So these are kind of the, the things that happen. And you get this like brain fog on day five. And I was fasting not too long ago. And uh, I came into work and I was just foggy, foggy. And I couldn't think. I was on like day five, I think. And uh, I got a phone call. I picked it up. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're from the government of Canada, and we're paying off your credit cards. And all you have to do is, you know, 
uh, give us your social insurance number. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Hold on a second. And I gave my social, gave all my information to this guy. And before I hung up, I'm like, I'm getting scammed. I was so foggy that I fell for this. You remember that, Paulette? And I called you. I said, have you ever heard of this? And she's like, I think you got scammed, right? And so I was like, oh, man, I, I felt so bad. I was really foggy that day. And, uh, and because I was going through some detox, not drinking enough water, and made a really bad mistake. And then I had to go change all my bank accounts and change all that stuff. It was a pain in the neck. But if you eat healthy on a regular basis, you'll go through less of an effective detox. There is so much on fasting, and also coming off the fast is very important. So if you're going on to a fast, if I drink like four or five coffees a day, I know it's bad, okay? But if I'm going to know I'm going into a three-day fast or more, I will cut down to one coffee a day and then no coffee the day I start, and then I don't get the headaches. But if I go from four coffees a day to just water, it's like headaches. So you got to think about how to work your way into, prepare yourself for a fast. And then when you come off a fast, don't go for Chinese food. I tried that. That is bad. You think it has effects on you regularly. You try coming off a fast and eating that. So you got to be, David knows what I'm talking about. So you got to be careful that you come in and like maybe just have some soup or some crackers and just slowly build yourself back up. But the next thing is fasting builds up spiritual power and authority. This is really important, and, and, and I talked a, a few weeks ago about how the mountains that Jesus tells us to speak to, they're actually spiritual attacks in our life. Remember, Jesus said, speak to the mountain, cast it into the sea. And that's talking about spiritual warfare. And we see in Matthew chapter 17, Jesus is talking to his disciples because his disciples were trying to cast out a devil and the devil wouldn't leave, and they were really upset about it. They're like, what's going on? And they said to Jesus privately, why could we not cast it out? And so Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed and you say to the mountain, move from here to there, it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Okay? However, say however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So in other words, there, there, there are stronger levels of demonic forces that for whatever reason, you need to be fasted up in order to get it to move. There's some kind of spiritual authority that's given when you have a prayerful life with fasting included. So when we do our highways to wholeness, or we used to do the encounter weekends, our, our teachers all pray and fast. Okay, and, and I used to, when we did that, I was more legalistic in the, those days. But when we used to do the encounters, I said, if you can't fast for three days, you're not allowed to teach right? And that was kind of my rule. Now, now I'm a little more lenient. But fasting is important because if you don't fast, um, if, when you fast, you'll see better results. Let's just say that, okay? So fasting is important. And uh, fasting is one of the most powerful weapons in our arsenal. And a lot of modern translations have removed the word fasting out of the New Testament, which really concerns me, right? Because the devil's in the details or the lack of the details, and so let's bring up this next slide. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 21, in the King James Version, it says, Howbeit this kind, we just read it, goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. In the NIV, they've omitted that verse. In the English Standard Version, they omitted it as well. In many other translations, it's been taken out. I'm just showing you two. In Mark 9, 29, And he said unto them, 
This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. In the NIV, it says, he replied, this kind can only come out by prayer. Where's the word fasting? In the ESV, and he said to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Fasting has been taken out of the modern translations. 1 Corinthians 7, 5. Defraud ye not one with the other, except it be for consent for a time. So that's in a marriage relationship, you know, uh, that you can give yourself, so you, you, you sacrifice some intimacy time, so you can give your intimacy to God through prayer and fasting and come together again so Satan doesn't tempt you. The other translations say prayer without fasting. It doesn't say fasting. ESV, you may devote yourself to prayer, but then come together again. Do you see that? We've got one more verse here. The King James Version says, And Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until the hour. We see in the NIV, Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying. English Standard Version, Cornelius said, Four days ago about this hour I was praying in my house. Where's the word fasting? Because fasting is a powerful weapon that defeats the power of the enemy in our lives. And somehow the devil got in there I believe, in the translations, I will just take this word out. We don't understand it. But prayer and fasting is powerful, all right? And um, God wants us to do it. And so it, it, really, it really doesn't matter if you're fasting just a meal or if you're, just, if you're fasting for days or if you're just doing a Daniel fast. Whatever it is, you're making steps towards fasting because there's power in it. Amen? And so in Isaiah chapter 58, verse 3 to 12, the people are talking to God, and these are the people in Isaiah's days, and say, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you have not taken notice? They're, they're crying out to God, why don't you notice that we're suffering? Why don't you realize that you know we're afflicting ourselves and you're not noticing? And God answers, in fact... This is what he says. God says, in fact, in the day of your fast, you find pleasure and you exploit all your laborers. Okay? And so God begins to tell them what they're doing wrong. How many love the word of God? Like he just tells us what the problems are so we can fix them. Okay? So God is speaking to the leaders, and this is what they're doing wrong. Number one, they're fasting to find pleasure. In other words, it's all about, it's all about us. It's about our ministry. To find pleasure. You know, I'm fasting because I want to be the next Billy Graham. I'm fasting because I want to be the CEO of a company. I'm fasting because I want people to recognize my gifts and talents. I'm fasting so that I will be known by man. That's the wrong motive. And they were fasting so they could get recognition. And God is saying, uh uh uh. That's not what fasting's about. All right? So they're fasting to find pleasure. Number two, they're exploiting their workers. So they're leaders of Israel, they're exploiting workers. So how do we bring that into to our day and our situation, okay? Exploitation is the act of selfishly taking advantage of someone, okay, to profit for yourself. That's what it is. And, and the opposite of exploitation is freedom, liberty, and independence, okay? 
Are we freeing people from unhealthy expectations? You're supposed to make me happy. You're supposed to take care of my needs. You're, you, and you're, we're pointing the finger at people saying, you should be the answer to my problem. No, God, you are my supplier. God, you are my source. God, you are my joy. That's the way it's supposed to be. But if we have unhealthy expectations on people around us, like they're the reason why we have problems, that's exploiting people. It's putting unhealthy expectations on them. The other thing is, are we forgiving people? Are we giving them the freedom that God has given us? Amen. Freely you have received, freely give. I don't know about you, but I've been forgiven of all my sins. So I have to forgive my brother his trespass. I have to offer forgiveness to my sister. Many people have hurt me in the past, and many of you have been hurt by people, and we have to be willing to say, I choose to forgive. Isn't that good? Are we exploiting people? Are we putting expectations on people? Are we putting a heavy hand on people? And then, you know, verse 4. Indeed, God says, you fast for strife and debate, and you strike with the fist of wickedness. In other words, you're fighting and debating and throwing low blows of accusation. And we see that all the time, people striving. You know, I'm praying and fasting because I want people to know I'm right. That my theology is correct. I'm just going to press in and I'm, they're going to recognize that I'm right and I'm going to argue my point. Listen, I'm at a point now, if people don't want to believe what I believe, for example, they don't want to believe in healing is for today, that's fine. Healing's not for today, for you, but it is for me. And I'm going to love you, and we're going to get along. We're brothers in the Lord, and we're not going to major on the minors. We're going to love one another, get busy showing the love of God to our community. Isn't that the most important thing? Instead of strife and debate and arguing and fighting, we see that all over the Internet. All these low blows, you know, know, putting down this ministry, putting that in that ministry, it causes so much division in the body of Christ. And we see it in Scripture. It's talked about in... In 2 Timothy, remind everyone. Are you part of everyone? Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. There's so much fighting in the body of Christ over what this word means and what that word means. Okay, Such arguments are useless and they can ruin those who hear them. I know so many people who were once Christians that they've heard the bickering and fighting Amongst denominations, I call them demonizations, but fighting that what they've done is they've left the faith. So you guys call yourselves children of God, and all you do is fight and argue about the meaning of all these words. 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. You know, let's talk about Jesus. Let's talk about what we do agree on. Let's get busy doing what God's told us to do and forget arguing about words. Amen? And God is, is hating it. He's calling it wicked. And then, you know, God says here, if we continue to read, you will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. You're just trying to be recognized. You want people to recognize you're the man, you're the woman. And he says, you know, that's not going to happen. And then he says in verse 5, and I love this because God asks the question, 
God is always asking questions. I love the way he teaches us. Like he asks another question. Is it a fast that I have chosen? And the reason why God asks questions is he wants us to be free thinkers. He wants us to think for ourselves. The very thing that we're accused of as a church of not being, you know, free thinkers, you know, God actually, if you read the Bible, he, he asks questions. He wants us to think for ourselves. Those who exploit people discourage free thinking. Leadership that comes in and exploits people and tries to control people, they discourage. Don't think for yourself. But God says, I want you to think for yourself. Can you see that? And he says, he says here, Is this the fast that I've chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul, is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread his sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast? And so in those days, they would put on sackcloth, which was like, remember the potato sacks we used to put on at, at church picnics? And we're like jumping around in those potato sacks. They'd put that on their skin like clothing, and it's uncomfortable. And they get down on their knees, and they'd put ashes on their head, and they'd cry, and they would do that in front of the temple, and then people would walk by and go, wow, they're spiritual. Look how devote they are and how humble they are. And God is, and, and it was okay to do that, you know, if you were doing it from the right heart. But people would look and say, wow, look at that, they're spiritual. And God says, is this what you call the fast? Okay. And then he, he says, he asks another question, is this not the fast that I've chosen? Number one, and this is the purpose of fasting, to loose the bonds of wickedness. When we fast, we break the power of the enemy in our life. If you belong to Jesus and you still are bound by addiction, you're still bound by certain things, you, you, when you fast, there's power, there's a supercharge to your prayer that breaks that thing. I remember there was a time in my life uh, before, and my tendency was I would get very angry very quick. I'd snap very easy. And I went to a prayer and fasting and said, God, I need this to be broken in my life. And God took that rough edge off me. He broke that, that off of me, right, so that I could be a gentler person, right? And, and fasting breaks that. Fasting is about spiritual warfare. Breaks the bonds of wickedness. To undo, the second thing is to undo the heavy burdens. You know, how many times, you know, you're carrying a burden and it's just you just feel like life is just weighing you down and it's so hard to get through from day to day. Well, when you fast and pray, somehow supernaturally, God comes and lifts that burden. It's like he yokes himself with you. It's like, hey, it's not so bad. I can carry this now. And, and you undo the heavy burdens. You, you let the oppressed go free, okay? And that you break every yoke, okay? So you let the oppressed go free, you break every yoke. Now, a yoke was something that would tie two cows together or bulls together, and they would pull a heavy load. And many times as Christians, we're yoked together with an addiction, with a sin issue, you know, with an attitude, and God breaks it when we fast. Isn't that powerful? So fasting is about spiritual warfare. It's about breaking the yoke. And then he goes on to say in verse 7, God says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? And so we can think about natural bread. If you come to Catherine's kitchen, we feed people, right? Um, and sometimes, you know, I think it can relate to spiritual food. If you receive something from the Lord, you can feed them what you've received from God. And, you know, I remember once we were fasting. We were first married, and I don't know, I was like 
trying to be spiritual, and I was on like a five, six-day fast, or so, and I'm fasting, and, and I go to the fridge, and every time I, b- I walk by the fridge, I peek in there. I'm like, whoo, there's leftover KFC. There's a bucket of leftover KFC. And you know that? You can smell that. And I'm hungry. Like, I am hungry. And I smell the KFC. I open it. There it is. And we got some steak, and we got some different stuff and everything. And I'm like, man, this is talking to me. The fridge is communicating with me. And I can hear it. And I'm like, I got to do something. So, so I, I, I was reading through Isaiah 58 here, and it said, you know, that I'm supposed to share my bread with the hungry. And there was a lady in our church. I know they, they were struggling financially. So I packed up all these boxes of food. Like, you know, my wife always has an abundance of food in the house. But we just stacked it all in this, these boxes. And I carried them down and brought them to this girl. And she's like, oh, pastor, you're so loving and caring that you bring me food. And I'm like, yes. That's I, this is why I'm doing it 100%, right? And really, the motive was like, I got to get rid of this temptation. But I was helping her at the same time. So you're sharing your food with the hungry and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out. And when you see the naked, that you cover him. Now, in Canada, we don't see a lot of naked people running around. But when I hear the word naked, I think of like shame, right? Like if you're naked, you'd be kind of ashamed. There's shame and, you know, you want to cover yourself. And many times people, even in the body of Christ, make mistakes and they fall into sin. And as Christians, we can do one of two things. We can go, oh, did you hear? There's adultery in the church. Did you hear what that guy did? Right? Or you can cover them and say, no, 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 I'm going to cover. I don't want people to know. I'm, I'm covering you so nobody knows. Hey, can I pray with you? I want to help you. I don't. Because you care about people. You don't want to expose people's nakedness. You want to cover them. You want to help them, but you want to cover them. And how many times in the church we see people uncovering one another? Somebody falls in the church Something happens bad in a church and a minister fails, falls. That's horrible, right? I hate that that happens. But how quickly does it go across the globe? We just want to expose all the faults of everyone. And the Bible says God loves it when instead of exposing people, we cover them. Because love covers a multitude of sins. And then it says, and do not hide yourself from your own flesh. That's talking about your family members if they're going through a tough time. That you help them. You provide for them. Okay? Very, very important. But here's the thing. In reading all these things, what, what I'm seeing here is that God wants, in the fast, God wants us to focus on horizontal relationships. He wants us to focus on making sure that we're forgiving, making sure that we're caring for people who are hungry and we're feeding the hungry, we're clothing the naked, we're taking care of one another, we're loving one another, we're covering one another. And so everything about fasting is God wants us working on a horizontal level. The problem as Christians many times, we're focused on the vertical. Lord, I want you to bless me and I want, I'm fasting and praying so that my life will be transformed and, and blah, 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 blah. And we're praying and we're asking and, and then we're not taking care of any of the horizontal relationships. You might as well not fast. Amen? Because God seems to be more concerned about us working it out at this level than us working it out at this level. Do you know why? Because God's already worked it out at this level. Jesus has already done all the work here. And yes, we can come to him, but it's about this, horizontal. And as a church, if we would focus on loving and taking care of one another and caring for one another and feeding one another and clothing one another, and we're worried about, not worried, but taking care of each other's needs, guess what happens? The power of God begins to move and the fast brings breakthrough in our lives and in the lives of others. And it says here, verse 8, 
God outlines what the reward of focusing on the horizontal is. Then your light shall break forth like the morning. So if you're fasting and you're focused on all the horizontal issues and you're, you're doing what God told you to do, your light will break forth like the morning. So when the sun comes up in the morning, it's like, boom, that's you coming up every morning in the presence of God, your light. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. So if you've been traumatized or hurt, because we all have at some level from someone in your past, you've chosen to forgive them, God will bring the healing quickly. Say quickly. You don't need 20 years and, you know, 30 sessions of counseling with a psychotherapist. I mean, God will do it in the fast. He'll bring healing. Isn't that awesome? And your righteousness shall go before you. People will say, yeah, oh, I know that person. They're righteous. They know God. It'll make a way for you. Doors will open where doors could never open before because your righteousness goes before you. Let's go to the next one. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. You know, we hear, we hear this, uh, this saying all the time, you know, who's covering your back? Well, God himself will cover your back. As you're focused on moving forward in life, God is watching the back, the blind spots of your life to make sure the enemy can't get in. He himself, his glory, will be your rear guard. Isn't that awesome? Give the Lord a hand. I mean, I think that's great. And then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You will cry out and he will say, here I am. You know, many times we pray and we're like, God, I can't hear your voice. I can't hear your voice. And it takes weeks before we finally feel like we get any direction. Well, in the fast, if you have a lifestyle of prayer and fasting, when you pray out, Lord, he's like, here I am. And it's like you can hear his voice in your spirit so clearly. And so when I, when I start studying Isaiah 58, and I, I'm encouraging guys to go home with a highlighter and start reading it and, and let God lead you in. And it might be for you maybe fasting one meal. You've never done it or going on a Daniel fast or, or whatever. It doesn't matter how long you do it. It's that you do it with the right motive, understanding his word. If you take away the yoke from your midst... And here's the thing. This is the key to the whole chapter. The yoke is what ties you with something else. If you take away this yoke from your midst, this is the yoke. The pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. It's called accusation. And unfortunately, it's all over God's church where people pointing the fingers and accusing one another. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And every time we accuse others, we're stepping into his role and we're operating an accusing spirit. And God calls it the finger of wickedness. Isn't that awesome? The Bible says we perish for lack of knowledge. And when we read this, it's like, man, how many times, even me, have I pointed the finger and made an accusation and then find out later that I was wrong? Amen. Now, it's different to open the word when you're talking to someone and say, you know, the Bible says this isn't right and, you know, you need to really, like, deal with this in your life one-on-one. -on -one. But when you're going around pointing the fingers and accusing people, man, that's called the pointing the finger of wickedness. God hates it. If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, there's more rewards. And uh, your light shall dawn in the darkness. This is a really good one. Your light will dawn in the darkness. 
So everyone talks about how dark it is in the earth, right? And how dark things are, you know, with the political environment, everything that's happening around the world and the war and everything. And it's dark and everyone's getting depressed and they feel like they're under the cloud. Well, for you, it's like, you know, you're like a light in the midst of the darkness. People say, hey, I, there, there goes Jesus. There's something different about that person. They have light in their life. And we all go through dark times. Somebody know, no matter if you're Christian or not, you're going to go through dark times. But look at the next verse. And your darkness shall be like the noonday. So everyone else is like, you know, I'm so depressed and I, I just can't live. It's so dark and everything's so bad. How do you feel? Oh, it's not so bad. I mean, I can't suntan, but I can get through life. Because my darkness ain't going to be that dark because I pray and fast and God is with me. You see that? The Lord will guide you how often? Continually. And satisfy your soul in drought. And, sa- and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And this is really neat because, you know, my wife does gardening, and if she forgets to water the plants, they begin to dry up and wither. But if she waters it regularly, guess what? There's lots of fruit. There's lots of life, right? And so you will be like a well-watered garden. So there'll always be fruit. There'll be life. People will come to you and they'll say, what's different about you? And you're going to have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness all flowing out of your life. Why? Because you're a person who prays and fasts and you're taking care of horizontal issues and God opens up the windows of heaven over your life. That's how powerful this thing of fasting can really be, all right? And the springs of water do not fail. And people will come up to you and say, you know, I remember 20 years ago and God was moving and there was healings and I just felt the presence of God and it's so dry now. And you're like, what are you talking about, man? Like, water's still flowing for me. I'm still full of the presence of God. I'm still filled with the joy of God. It doesn't dry up. And then finishing off, those from among you shall build up the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundation of many generations. And we talk about revivals that broke out in Canada in the years past. And, uh, you know, there's the Hay Bay revival and there was moves of God in Belleville. And there was one years ago at the Catholic church over here. And I forget what year that was, uh, where God was moving. When was that? 70. Early 70s, God was moving. Wells of revival were coming up. And the Bible says, you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Isn't that awesome? Amen. And so we look at this next slide. Here's just the summary. The fast that God has chosen is to loose the bonds of wickedness and undo the heavy burdens. You know, I had a dream one night. One of my children got really sick, and we do highway to wholeness. So I started praying, you know, is there a, is there a root cause to this? And, and um, I was praying about it, and then I went to sleep. And I had this dream. And in the dream, I went into a forest, and I was walking up to this tree, and there was a chain around this dog. It was like a pit bull. And it came running out, and it was like, rah, 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 rah. it was barking at me. And the thing was going to eat me, but it was on a chain. It could only come this far, and it couldn't get me. But I was horrified, and I woke up. I thought, what in the world is that? And I just started praying, and God said, this is just the enemy trying to attack your family. And I felt the Lord say, I want you to go into prayer and fasting for three days. So I went into prayer and fasting. 
the first day, the second day, and then on the third day, I was driving over to see Paulette and Owen. They were doing some renovations on one of their properties here. And uh, I came up, it's McCann, I think it was where you guys were living. And I got out of the car and I was walking by, and this little dog on a chain came around. And I was like, whoa. And it like came up and it came this close to me and was trying to gnaw my leg off. And I was like, what in the world is that? Like, it just totally freaked me out. And I was like, and I just think of my dream. Now, that's weird. And so I went and talked with them for a bit. And then I had to go over to get some, some pizza or something. I went over to the pizza store. And I'm walking up to the pizza store. And there's a car there with the door, the window half open. And I'm walking up to go to, and all of a sudden this dog, and it was like hanging out the window, like trying to chew my ears off. And I'm like, whoa. And I'm jumping back. I'm like, what in the world is that? Right? And, uh, and I realized that the devil's really ticked off. And so... Um, so I finished that day, though, uh, after those two dog attacks, and the devil says, God said, the devil's mad, but you've won the victory. And I, so that was it. I quit my fast, had, had some pizza with Paulette Nolan, and on the third day, and I went home, and my, my, my child was healed. Amen? That's the power of fasting when you understand. I wrote down, this is what I'm fasting for, this is what I'm believing for, and God came through. Amen? So this is the fast that God has chosen. Go to the next slide. This is the rewards of fasting correctly. And there's more rewards. It's tons of rewards when you fast focusing on the horizontal, not just, you know, this way. You know, I had somebody I knew who was fasting uh, for 40 days. And, no, it really broke my heart. Somebody... I've no, I know quite a few people that have, have attempted that. And uh, it came to me, and it had all kinds of bitterness and unforgiveness towards people in the body of Christ, and they're like 35 days into fasting. I'm just, I'm heartbroken because I'm like, you know, you'll get some benefit because God's going to honor this no matter what. Like, that's a massive fast. But I don't think you're going to get the reward you should get in the fast because you're not dealing with this. It's all about me and God, me and God, and the church is all messed up. No. God wants us to have relationship, strengthen with one another. Amen? Let's stand. Did you guys get something out of that? Okay. Father, we thank you, Lord, this week, God, uh, for your grace and mercy. And, uh, Father, that you'd speak to our hearts concerning fasting and what that would look like in our lives, where we would start. Uh, maybe some of us have laid it down for a while, that we would pick it up again. Because in this day and in this hour, we need to be a light in the darkness. We need to set the captives free. We've got to break the yokes off people. And we thank you that some only come out by prayer and fasting. God, you're going to use us as your people. And we do it by your spirit, by your leading. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.